Warning, the following podcast contains mature content such as naughty language and sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised. You know, uh, just a few minutes ago, we were talking about getting started on recording the episode. And I was like, oh shit, it's my week to do the intro. And I couldn't think of anything to say. So Emmy gave me some great advice. So I'm going to give it to all of you. And that is to fuck bitches and get money as the intro to your podcast. Um, hey, Emmy, what year is it? Uh, 1905? Is that the year we're in now in the book? I can't remember. <laughs> no, um, it's actually 2021. And we're reading Breaking Dawn? My name is Sarah. I'm Emmy. Um, and this week we are reading, well, we already read. If you haven't read up to now, you are behind. Go do your homework. Um, but we read the preface you of bad, book one. Bad listeners. Yeah. <laughs> we read the preface of book one all the way up to chapter three of book one. It is a light week. We're only basically doing three chapters plus a little preface. Yeah, I, I, I expected, uh, I, I looked at the count of the pages and I was like, wait, I have the wrong reading, don't I? And then I went to check the list that you posted on Twitter for the episodes. I was like, nope, it is definitely just preface through chapter three. Wow, this is not a lot. But honestly, <laughs> good, because uh, I picked up the book and I'm like, wow, this is almost 800 pages. She was just like, wow, we need a book to finish this. What if I just write two books to finish this and put it into <laughs> one book? So that way you think that you're almost done, but really I'm just dragging you through more and more suffering. Yeah, um, the way that these chapters parse out, because, so I, I want you to know, books one and two both had 24 chapters plus an epilogue and a preface, but the preface, on all of these books, the preface is like a page long, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> So books one and two was just 24 chapters plus the epilogue. Book three was 27 chapters plus an epilogue. Book four is 39 chapters with a preface at the beginning of each of them. And it does not have an epilogue. So that created 42 individual pieces that we had to decide how to like separate. Not to mention it's 39 chapters the movies are split into two, like split the story into two. And then the book is also split into three books. <laughs> and so we were like, so book one is only seven chapters. I, I guess once you reach the level of success she did with Eclipse, your editor just doesn't bother telling you to stop the bullshit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, I mean, this is really weird, but I guess we just let her go. <laughs> Um, so in order to not, like, split this up super fucking weird, we did, we're doing two episodes for the first book, because it's seven chapters, um, and we didn't want to have to, like, force ourselves to do it all in one episode, because first of all, the episode would have been really long, and it would have been way too much reading. The most chapters we've ever read for one thing was six, which was only because 
the third book had 27 chapters and we were like, we'll just finish it all. We'll just read the last six chapters <laughs> and not bother like splitting it up or anything. Uh, and then not to mention books one and two make up the first movie. So we're going to have a break after we finish chapter uh, book two, which is after chapter 18, I believe. And then the last part of the book is going to be like four episodes for just book three, which is also the second movie. Basically, the second half of the book is essentially the same length as the other books we've already read. <laughs> yes, it is essentially. This is basically two books in one. Um, but I don't think she wanted to tell the marriage and birth story as one book and then the whole rest of it as a whole nother book. Um, but also, I fail to remember there being enough content after the baby is born for like 400 pages. Like I remember stuff happening, but I don't remember it being like a lot of stuff. Granted, this is the one that I uh, <coughs> read by far the least because even at age 12, I knew that it was just awful. I remember that they fuck on the floor. They fuck on the floor? That is like the only part of this book I remember aside from Jacob imprinting on a baby. <laughs> Jacob imprinted on a baby. I know that Stephanie Meyer felt bad for like what happened with Jacob's character, but like she didn't have to give him a consolation prize and have An it be infant. the baby. <laughs> and also have it be heavily implied that the reason that Bella is in Jacob's life is so that he could fall in love with the baby. gets into some serious questions of uh, <laughs> a fate predetermination good lord so what how's life how's it going for you over there um i got a new job but then they told me i can't start because they're expanding the lab i was gonna work in the lab you're gonna work in and are you a scientist now i'm a scientist now no i'm not a scientist I wish I was a scientist. Yeah. I'm I'm an author. That's exciting. But not a scientist. Scientists. <laughs> I am not multiple science people. <laughs> oh my god. I am but one. How are you an author if you can't even speak one an sentence? I'm an editor, damn it. <laughs> That's a good point. How how is your life, Sarah? Uh, it's fine. Uh, my, I am so at my work. I'm on a team, um, and that team was composed of me and two other girls, well, women. Uh, one of them just had a baby like yesterday, so she's gone for a while, and the Is other there a one. Werewolf that happens to be interesting. <laughs> no, no, baby. there's no, there's no werewolf in love with this baby, um, but the other one, and this is. This is not a joke. Her husband recently suddenly died of a stroke. And so the team is now just me. So like sometimes That's we'll be having team. I know, sometimes we'll be having meetings and stuff and our manager will be like, "And the freight team." And I'm like, "Oh, you mean the freight, Sarah?" Cuz that's just me. It's literally just me. There's no You're the other <laughs> Just one single me. <laughs> uh, 
Um, they've been trying to make it easier on me, but it's still, uh, it's still a lot of work to do, and I've just been really tired every day. So, you know, life, that's how my life is going right now. I was getting ready to watch a horror movie starring Kristen Stewart, of course, because I only consume Kristen Stewart media, uh, when Emmy texted me and was like, hey, are you home? Are we going to (laughs) record? We both forgot. I forgot Monday. You forgot today. (laughs) Yeah. Monday morning, I woke up, read the content and read the content, read the chapters and like took my notes and everything, made the doc all pretty. And then I forgot because I I did my work. And then I was like, oh, you know, whatever. She'll text me. And then the next day I was like, hey, weren't we going to record yesterday? And she was like, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, we'll record tomorrow. <laughs> Bright side is it's basically three chapters, so editing the podcast shouldn't be hard. Oh, yeah, no. It should be. As long as we don't have any, like, hiccups or anything in the audio, then it'll be very simple. Because it's not going <gasps> to be very long. Uh, that's why I asked you how your life was. Because I was like, we're not going to have enough shit to talk about for this episode. It's going to be short. But that doesn't matter. That's okay. That's okay. Short, Our last like episode. <laughs> what? Did you just call me short? <laughs> yeah. I am short, but you don't have to bring it up. <laughs> I'm getting ready to start a D&D campaign with some coworkers. And my character is set up to be the tallest member of the group. Purely because we've got a dwarf and a halfling, and then I don't know what Brandon's gonna play. But. And then they have one friend who doesn't even live here. So. How are you playing? Online. Probably through Discord. We'll see how it goes. I wanna play again. (laughs) I wanna play again too. Um, I haven't spoken to, well, really only one member of our D&D group in a very long time. Uh, not that there's anything wrong. I just haven't spoken to them in a while. And I have no idea if they have any interest in being in the group anymore. But we'll see. Maybe, we, maybe, look, this is a lovely testing ground because I don't want our campaign, which is amazing, and I love it so much, to be like run into the ground because we played it online and it didn't work. So I'll try this. We're going to try this new campaign, see how it goes, see if we can learn anything, if we can deduce the best way to run an online campaign. I think the first step is having internet. That's, you know, we do have internet as we record every single one of these episodes over zoom. So, as you can see, oh, the shit. internet I thought we exists. were using telegraphs. No. It's funny you say that because the medium through which we contact each other <laughs> all the time is telegram. Uh, so, I, I understand where you might have gotten that misconception. I'm full of them. Should we talk about the book? Probably. Well, the preface begins, as per fucking usual, uh, Bella is staring down the mighty maw of death, 
Um, however, the person about to kill her this time is someone that she loves. So she decides she needs to sacrifice herself for them. Once again, highlighting her disturbing murder complex. Murder complex? Martyr. Martyr. Self-sacrifice. Complex. I honestly Can don't. she not be willing to die just once? <laughs> just one time she where she's has... like, you know what? I want to not die. She has not fought back against death a single time in this entire series. Like, it's honestly disturbing. <sighs> She, she even says that, like, she's used to enemies that she can fight or run from. And I'm like, bitch, when? When did you fight? You ne- She never fights. You can't she- run from them. All of your enemies are vampires. There is no fight in this woman. No fight, no running. What are you talking... Have... It's like we just dove into some parallel universe that took place after a separate set of events in the first three books yeah which is sad because i man i love a woman who who fights well i i i do think the problem here is that we have an unreliable narrator we'll get to that yeah absolutely (laughs) but that's the preface i don't really have much to say about it uh it's pretty much the same preface that we've had for the past three books and there's three prefaces in this book Oh my god, if I have to listen to her be about to die three times. <laughs> I don't understand why. Like, I get separating your book into three parts, if that's what you want to do. Why do you have three prefaces? It's so fucking weird. It's all the same story. I don't understand. Anyway, continue, please. Yeah. Um. So, chapter one. Uh, we start with Bella sitting at a light in town, freaking the fuck out about people staring at her. Um, she's in a new car and she makes a complete fool of herself because she tries to like slam on her gas to get away when the light turns green and just ends up flooring it across the intersection like a dumb dumb. Um, so then she pulls up to the gas station to get gas and there's some dudes that are just like, yo, can we take pictures with your car? Is that the guardian? <laughs> um, and it turns out that it is a car that Ed got for her for before she goes through the change. And there's another car he got for her for after she goes through the change. And this pre-change car just happens to be missile proof. Um. Yeah, she could be run over by a tank apparently and survive, and it's not even available in Europe. It's primarily used in uh, Middle East for VIPs, as 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 Smire informs us. It doesn't us. exist. This doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. This Not is fake. Car. This is a fake car. It's I <laughs> rolled my eyes so fucking hard. And first of all, that he has bought her two cars, one for before the change and one for after. She's been driving her truck for the whole like year and a half that you guys have known each other. But for missile some reason, proof. now she needs a missile proof car. Missile proof. It's a car! It's not missile-proof! 
It's what? It looks like a normal car, but it's missile proof. Like the thing is, like if the car was actually missile proof, it would be like an armored car. Like it would be huge. Do you you know how much armor it would require to make that thing missile proof? And also to absorb the shock of a (laughs) missile strike because the explosion isn't the only problem. It's also the horrendously strong shock waves that it's going to send out. This is fake. This is is the, like, the thing is, like, I know it's a book about werewolves and vampires, but I can suspend my disbelief about there being werewolves and vampires. That's fine. That's magical. This car that is missile-proof in 2005? What? (laughs) So she's on her way home, and she sees these posters hanging up of Jacob, because Charlie insisted on putting up pictures or posters of Jacob being missing uh, for people to call in if they find him. And then when she gets home, she uses her uh, her car phone to call Seth to check up about Jacob. And Jacob's just ignoring everybody as he's apparently been doing or doing his best to and refuses to communicate with them. But he is aware that Bella keeps calling about him, and it it irritates him that she does. Uh, so, I do. She she thinks that Ed might have intentionally sabotaged her truck uh, because Jacob's not there to verify whether or not the truck is actually completely unusable at this point. Because the deal with Ed was that she could he was allowed to get her a new car once her truck died. Now, if he did, in fact, sabotage her truck to get her a new car, I'm actually kind of on his side on this one because that truck was not a safe thing to be driving on the road. No, not at all. Especially for her. So I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I mean, you went a bit overboard. But like, if if, if it instead been like, I'm going to get her a a Camry, (laughs) a new Camry. (laughs) So she can stop driving around this fucking hunk of junk that's going to get her killed. Uh, yeah, I, I would have been cool with that. But I get it. Yeah. I'm actually in agreement with them on this one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Her truck is a monster. And the other thing is I don't understand why Billy said anything to Charlie about Jacob being missing. Because him and everyone on the reservation can still keep tabs on Jacob. So they know he's not actually missing. They know roughly where he is. They know that he's okay. He could have just made up a story about why Jacob was gone until he decided to come back. But instead he decided to tell his police officer friend that his 16 year old son ran away from home which of course is going to make him want to do something about it. Yeah. The only thing I can think is that maybe he was having a petty moment and because Charlie knew that Jacob was really, really upset about Bella choosing Edward over him, that maybe uh, Billy was just kind of like, well, you know, after what happened with Bella and Edward, he ran away. Ooh. Yeah. Like, it, it just, like, trying, just to be mean, you know? And not that I, but though, honestly, at the end of Eclipse, Billy wasn't really that on t- 
on that terrible terms with the Cullens after everything that happened and the fact that they, that Carlisle, Jacob, <laughs> yeah, saved Jacob. But you know, that's the only thing I could think of. Um, but even then, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but I understand why Jacob is upset that Bella keeps calling about him because he literally said at the end of Eclipse that he wanted her to leave him alone. To be fair. I'll give her that because like for me there are plenty of people that I don't talk to but I still check up on via social media yeah just to like know how they are which isn't really a thing here so asking people that you know in common seems like a reasonable thing to do instead of trying to contact them directly yeah but the guys also can't very well keep from Jacob that she's calling so like and I understand again I understand why she's like checking up on him but like as the day of the wedding gets closer and closer, I can understand him, like, wanting nothing to do with everything that's going on. Especially with the revelation that she is, in fact, in love with him. Because that's really tragic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't really have a lot of pity, considering how he acted in the book. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I just understand why he's upset. I'm not saying yeah. that, like, I feel bad for him or anything. I'm just saying that I, I get why he's like, mm, I don't want to hear from Bella. Stupid Bella with his stupid cold one. Bella. So, uh, Bella, when she's about to go inside, uh, we get a flashback to Ed and her telling Charlie about them getting married. And Charlie misinterprets the situation initially and thinks that Bella is pregnant. <laughs> uh, and then apparently was about ready to shoot Ed. We don't know for sure, because Ed will neither confirm nor deny those were the thoughts going through Charlie's head, but it's probably yeah. <laughs> implied. Um, but eventually, Charlie just calmed himself down, and it ended up in a laughing fit, and was like, "I, you gotta tell Renee then, that's on you, you gotta deal with her. Um, but then Renee didn't give a fuck. So, Charlie's super duper sad face and grumpy all the time now because he expected Renee to be the hard ass and she wasn't and he already gave his blessing so he's just like well shit now what do I do I never would have expected Renee to be a hard ass about it at all like yeah she had a bad experience getting married right outside of high school but like her I don't I would not take her for the type to learn a lesson from the thing that happened like oh, she did. <laughs> well because okay so hold on that's the thing because that's why i know now that bella is meant to be an unreliable narrator because she talks all the time through the first few books about her mom talking shit about her choice to get married young and how she was telling bella not to make the same mistakes but in this chapter or in this section, she tells Bella that Bella's not her and she's not making the same mistakes that she made. And I'm like, okay, so the two two options here, either you decided to change Renee's outlook on the situation completely, or Bella has been an unreliable narrator all along who due to her anxiety and issues with uh, understanding people, misinterpreted her mom's t talking about her issues to be a denouncement of yeah the concept as a whole yeah like interpreting her mom saying like oh i made a huge mistake oh i did this so i wasn't ready to get married as being like her saying like so you won't be 
nobody is ready to get married at age 18. Not that I think that people should get married when they're 18. I really don't. No. I really, really don't. I really don't. And Brandon and I started dating when I was 18. And I was deeply in love with him. And like three months in, we started talking about the fact that we wanted to be together forever. We did not get married until we were in our 20s because you have to give yourself that time to learn and grow. Your brain is not fully formed until you're 26. You become a very different person between 18 and 26. Very different. I can attest to that. And And (laughs) sometimes you change your entire identity. (laughs) But there's nothing wrong with staying with the same person. Yeah. From 18 onwards. But marriage is a lot of legal steps that you're tying yourself into when so much can still change about you. Yes, absolutely. Outside of like economic reasons... And the stress they cause leading to divorce, people just growing apart and becoming different people. Yeah. Is one of the biggest causes of divorces. So, like, maybe wait until you're pretty confident in who you are as a person before yeah. jumping in. <laughs> yeah. You, it's, I, I'm, I do not want to poo poo on people who were, who fall in love young because I think that, that you are full, obviously, I think you are fully capable of making a choice when you are 17, 18 years old who you want to be with. I wanted to be with Brandon when I was 15. I knew that I wanted to be with Brandon for the rest of my life. But I still needed to give myself time to grow and learn and be more comfortable with both myself and with who Brandon is as a person. It's a lot easier to break up later if there's a problem than it is to divorce later. It is so much easier to just part ways when you're 19 or 20 after being with someone for a while and realizing that you are growing into two completely different people than it is to get divorced. I've known way too many people who got married at 18 and are now separated and, you know very upset about the decisions they made there's a lot of pressure surrounding marriage and the way that your relationship is expected to evolve when you're married and i'm not saying that you and everybody who gets married at age 18 is going to fall victim to those issues but it's so much easier to when you're young because you don't know what you're doing and when people tell you like oh you're married you need to do this 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 and this For me, it's easy to ignore because I'm an adult and I work and I have had life experiences telling me that I can just kind of run things the way I want to run them. But when you're young, especially when you're 18 and have probably been living under a parent's roof your entire life and don't have any life experiences to tell you who you are and that you know that you're making good choices, it can be really hard to ignore. Uh, Sorry about that tangent, but... (laughs) I, I really don't think that people need to be getting married when they're, like, 18 or 19. I think give yourself some time. Because, like, you can still end up marrying the person. Just, exactly. Just I take, did. Just take your time. Mm-hmm. It's in your best interest. You don't lose anything except maybe some tax benefits by waiting for the marriage. <laughs> yeah. But there, there is nothing wrong with waiting. I have um, my aunt is marrying her boyfriend this year who she has been with for like 25 years and like they never thought that they would ever make it official you know they both were previously married um but they just decided that they were going to do it 
and make it real. Not real, but like just to like make it official, be married, you know. And uh, I think that's great. And they didn't lose out on anything because they weren't married. They've lived together and, you know, had a life together. And They lived my... in sin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my uncle, my aunt's now husband, he's been my uncle since I was a child. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's not like anything about him or his role in our family was any different. He was your, your relationship is sin. valid, even if you're not married. And I love marriage. I think it's a beautiful ritual and gesture for the person that you love. And it's very symbolic and whatever. But, you know, you don't lose out on anything because you don't marry your high school boyfriend. But if he's a vampire, I mean, fucking go for it. Because he can't take back the vampirism. No, he can't. (laughs) (laughs) So... On that note, Bella goes in and finds Alice fitting Charlie for his tux for the wedding. Uh, and she does the final fitting for Bella's dress, and Bella daydreams about fucking Ed while she's doing it. That's her happy place. Um, I, I feel you, Bella. I feel you. <laughs> the weirdest part about this whole thing for me is Charlie has a very intense disdain for tuxes <laughs> he hates it it's so fucking funny to me because like i remember being like when i read this book i was like tuxes sound fucking miserable and then my husband and all of his groomsmen wore tuxes for our wedding and i was like oh it's just like a really fancy suit yeah, <laughs> with I... like a vest and stuff like what is the problem i don't understand yeah and then i was like what the fuck is happening you know how often I've worn tuxes? Quite a few. I had to wear a tux every time I did a uh, performance when I was in the men's choir. Mm-hmm. And it, like, they aren't hard to put yeah. on. <laughs> it is simply a suit. It is a suit. It's a fancy suit. Chapter two. Chapter two. Bella and Edward canoodle on the night before the wedding, and Edward is upset that Bella won't be able to have kids after she becomes a vampire, which has never really been an issue before right this very moment, but I guess it is now. Um, anyway, when they're talking about Edward possibly murdering Bella by dicking her down, Jasper and Emmett show up to take Edward to a bachelor party slash hunting trip. Um, (laughs) so, like, the child thing is obviously, like, a Chekhov's gun. Like, they're hanging the child above the the mantle so that you know that there's going to be a child in the book. Because they've never brought up the idea of having kids before. Ever! Not once in this series has Bella ever even been inclined to have a child. And I actually was hoping when I was younger, that she was going to be someone who just didn't want to have kids. Like, Rosalie's in Eclipse... the only one that ever gave a fuck. Yeah. Because in Eclipse, she's like, you're never going to be able to have kids. And Bella was just kind of like, I don't really care. And I so badly... Like, this literally would have been such a better story if Bella had taken a hard stance on just being like, I do not want to have children. Especially am, not young. I'm not pro-choice. I'm pro-abortion. <laughs> 
I had a conversation with a coworker earlier today where he was like, oh, don't get me wrong. I'm pro-abortion. And I was like, <laughs> you're not pro-choice. You're pro-abortion. Fuck them kids. It made me laugh so much. And he was like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. And I was like, no, that's what you said. That's what you said. I'm pro-abortion, homie. Hell yeah. Bella's entire scene is just like, dick me now. And it's like, no. She's like, dick me now. No. <laughs> dick. Dick. <laughs> yeah, it was... um. Oh, they definitely made a choice. Uh, They just keep every single time they're in a room together. They're like, Bella's like, I want to have sex. And Edward is like, no. And Bella's like, I want to have sex. And Edward is like, no. And then even in this scene, he talks about the fact that he's still scared of having sex with her because he is going to kill her, even though he promised her that he was going to do it. I think he can do it. It's fine. I just watched Beastars. And the big wolf character was about to dick down the little rabbit character. And she was like, ah, you're going to kill me. And so he was like, I need to stop. And I need to become stronger because I love you so we can be together. Spoilers for Beastars, by the way. What the fuck just happened? What? (laughs) Have you never? Wait. Beastars is an anime. Have you heard I, of I it? I know what it is. I've okay. never watched it. I have I don't Eh. Were you gonna say some shit about furries? No, it's more just like anthropomorphic animals. Uh so you don't like furries, is what I'm hearing. That's yeah, no, I hate furries. <laughs> I have furry friends. I had to and I spend all, of them. <laughs> all day listening to people call me a furry. And I was like, just because I like these stars doesn't mean I'm a furry. I am a furry. But like that's beside the point. Nobody needs to be calling me one. And the like, best part is none of them who have been calling me a furry all day are gonna listen to this because I'm editing this fucking episode and so Brandon's never gonna hear it. I'm publicly admitting to being a furry. Like, Zootopia was... Was... Okay, no, Zootopia itself wasn't that much. It was more the fact that... I have heard the the extremely sexual fanfiction that came out of it. Oh, yeah. There's a... There's a... There's a terrifying pro-life comic that came out of it a terrifying PETA comic that came out of it it's the pro-life one that's the one I've seen oh yeah a lot a lot of really disgusting fanfiction as well I'm not into the porn I'm not into it but I really love BNA Brand New Animal which is an anime by Studio Trigger I really liked Beastars I like Zootopia a lot I think I just like anthropomorphic animals (laughs) I almost choked on my own spit well, anyway, back to Breaking Dawn. <laughs> um, as Bella oh, is... Oh, yeah. Uh, Emmett. Scene with Emmett at the window is just fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every scene with Emmett in it is fantastic. He just as we t- on the window. <laughs> Send him out or we're coming in to get him. And Bella's just <laughs> laughing like, okay, leave. Oh, yeah. And I don't imagine it's him playing with Edward. I imagine it's him fucking with Bella. Oh, and, yeah, for sure. And then being friends and I'm like, 
Like, like supposedly Bella and Alice have, like, a really close relationship, but I'm so much more invested in Bella and Emmett's friendship. Yeah, every time now that that they're around each other, I'm just like, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? It's so good. Um, As Bella is falling asleep, she suddenly remembers a story that Carlisle told her (laughs) off camera about immortal vampire children who killed thousands of people and destroyed entire villages because they had no self-control. She then has a dream about an immortal child that has killed all of her human friends and family, but she, for some reason, really wants to protect it. I I, I appreciate the fact that she at least bothered to uh, to to note the fact that nobody knows why the fuck people kept turning infants and toddlers into vampires. So at least we weren't sitting here like, but why? <laughs> So, um, here's the thing about all of that. It is the worst foreshadowing I have ever seen in my entire life. Especially with that conversation beforehand about having kids and everything with Rosalie before and the preface. It's just like, you're just, you're making it real obvious right now. It's really bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Myers, <laughs> and then like to just randomly remember this story that carlisle told her like if you really wanted this story if if stephanie meyer did not know this story existed before writing this book let's be clear she makes it up as she goes okay so if you really wanted to include this in this book you should have put it in eclipse when we got all the all the exposition because eclipse was just a fuck ton of exposition and that is when we should have gotten this story but we didn't we now get it in a random moment that makes no sense as a way of saying hey by the way also it's gonna be a baby in eclipse because they specifically were focusing on vampires turning people constantly so being like yeah they turned infants and babies too as yeah, it would have, would have worked really well, and that's it. Especially because the story also ties into Tanya mm-hmm. and her family. Yes, and because their mom made a uh, like a toddler vampire yes. and was killed by the Volturi for it. And they were let, her and her sisters were allowed to go because Arrow didn't, saw that they were innocent and didn't want to kill them. Um, everyone else did still, apparently, just to, because uh, they, they were going with guilt by association, which is fucking weird and crazy when you already know for a fact they knew nothing about it. Like, the guilt by association is normally a uh, a matter of not being able to know for sure. Yeah whether or not somebody was involved in something so you just go with guilty but they know they weren't so I'm like what are, what are you trying to achieve I, hear, I don't understand <laughs> you know it, in fact um, a much better note motivation for the Denali clan like not showing up to the battle in Eclipse would have been that they didn't want to risk running into the Vulturi yeah because you know the Volturi wanted to murder them at one point. Rather than a random member of their clan being in love with Laurent. 
who the, and then being pissed at them because he was killed trying to kill Bella. It would make it make even more sense when they can't come to the wedding here. Yeah. Because it, instead of being like, we left the one that's a problem at home and the rest of us came because we feel bad, it would be, we still want to be here. We're sorry we didn't come, but we're fucking terrified of these people who murdered our mom. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that would have been a much better motivation because... You really have no reason. There is no reason to sympathize with this other girl who was like pissed off about Laurent getting killed. Like it's, it's, I don't, it just boggles my mind. And I know that like they're talk, they talk in Eclipse about how, oh, the Vulturi won't respect a treaty made by werewolves. And so in theory, I guess the other vampires would hate them as well. But it's like, you can't get mad at them for defending their territory. Like, if Edward had killed Laurent, would she have been equally as upset? Knowing that Edward was killing Laurent to protect Bella? That is completely fucking insane. If if Brandon got murdered because he was trying to kill and eat an innocent woman, I think I would be like, no, it's okay. <laughs> you did what you needed to do. He was it's trying cool. to eat someone. <laughs> But yeah, um, that would have been a much better motivation for them not showing up. In fact, that would have been a great way for them to tell that baby vampire story if it wasn't included somewhere else. If they were like, yeah, no, the Denali clan's not coming because they're too afraid of the Vulturi because their mom made a baby vampire and the Vulturi killed her because of it. And Bella could be like, what the fuck is a baby vampire? And then they could, tell, <laughs> they could tell her the story of the baby vampires. But I guarantee you the baby vampire concept didn't exist until Stephanie Meyer was writing this book. Which is fine as long as you work it in well. But, but she didn't. didn't. She really didn't. Especially because you know that the motivation for the Vulturi showing up anyways because they believe that Bella created a baby vampire. It's like, did wh you just told me this concept and now all of a sudden it's the central plot to the final book in your series? You're not going to bring back any other important fact. I'm convinced that this entire book exists because she knew she needed to marry Edward and Bella. But she couldn't really do it in Eclipse. But then Eclipse sees the end of the original rogue vampire group that, like, terrorized them. Because I, I've said this before, that in book one, they get they kill James, who was the original. And then in book two, they kill Laurent, who was, you know, the second one. And then in book three, they kill Victoria. So it's like, oh, the previously intended threat is gone. The Vulturi aren't a threat because they're going to turn Bella. So it doesn't really matter. So we have to give the Vulturi a reason to be the threat. You know, thinking about it, considering she made this book the size of two books to begin with, she could have just made Eclipse the size of two books and put the wedding stuff in there and dropped the whole baby bullshit. Yeah, we didn't need any baby bullshit. The epilogue of Eclipse could have just been them getting married. But like... I understand that she wanted to write this beautiful part with them, like, on their honeymoon and fucking. But, like, you just 
it was not necessary. I, I don't know what else to say. It just feels so stupid that we have this whole book with a manufactured plot and conflict that just literally doesn't feel real. And I, and I get that maybe they wanted the Volturi threat to exist in a real way because they were kind of built up over the past two books of being like this real threat. But the Volturi could have found a different, she could have found another reason for the Volturi to come and try to kill Bella. You know what this feels like? What? This feels like when you finish a season in an anime and the next season starts and they're like, here's this new threat we have to worry about that we've never previously referenced. Yeah. All of a sudden we know about it and it's a problem. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I don't and I don't have a problem with creating new threats, but it's just like I don't know. I don't like, I do not like the implementation of having this like random memory of a story that Carlisle told her between books. It doesn't make any sense, but that's the end of chapter two. We failed to reference the fact that once again, Bella having crazy dreams and we don't know why. Jesus Christ, this whole dream sequence, I was like, oh, stop. Because this leads, because she has this whole dream about the vampire boy. And that leads to her spending her entire pregnancy believing that the baby is a boy. Because of this stupid dream that she had. Stupid. stupid. Yeah. So chapter three. <laughs> Um, like nothing happens in chapter three. Yeah. The only, it's the day of the ceremony and basically Alice picks up Bella, gives her shit for looking tired because she didn't sleep because of the dream, goes and gets her dressed and puts her makeup on her. Rosalie surprises Bella by coming in and being like, I want to help. So then they do her hair. And then her dad and mom show up and they all just trade items for the something new, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue thing. Um, and and then they, they get married. And Bella's really intense during the kiss. Too intense. People are like making noises of shock because... She's going for it. I was worried when I got married that I was going to go overboard, but I didn't. We just we did like, a we did a nice kiss. She literally wants to to get down at the end of the ceremony. Yeah. It's like we're married now. Done. Don't care if we're pregnant. Okay. Bella's reaction to the garter in this scene because Alice gives her the garter uh, for something borrowed. And I just have so many questions about this because, and I actually looked up the tradition with garters because I was like, do I remember this wrong, how this works? Because I was like, I'm pretty sure it's normally the groom pulls it off with his teeth and throws it into the crowd. So I looked up and just, no, that is exactly what happens. But she tells Bella she wants it back. So I'm like, wait, so she's wearing the garter, but you want it back. So that's already, I'm already confused by this, but you can do that. Like, as a thing, so not everyone throws it. Yeah. But then, why are you wearing it, number one? Number two, if you're, you're basically Ed's sister. So this is a piece of marriage lingerie that you're allowing your new sister-in-law to borrow. 
as she marries your brother. Like, what? Yeah. So <laughs> I didn't do the garter. We didn't, neither of us wanted to do the garter thing because it's disgusting. Um, to have your man, your new husband take off a piece of lingerie from you and then give it to one of his buddies. Absolutely disgusting because it is it like the tradition comes from, you know, the long held ideal that you don't fuck until you marry. So this should in theory be the first time that you're taking off your wife's underwear, which is dis again disgusting. But I remember when we were like getting ready for everything uh, we were talking to the DJ and he was like, so what do you want to do during like when you throw your bouquet? And I was like, I don't know, just something fun. And then he was like, and he looked at my husband and he was like, so what do you want to do when you're uh, doing the garter? And my husband was like, I am not fucking taking a garter off of her. Absolutely not. And I was like, oh God, <laughs> oh no, we seem to have triggered something in Brandon. I will admit that the mental image I got of pulling somebody's garter off with your teeth was extremely erotic. Yes. But not something I would at all want to do in front of a group of people at my wedding. Absolutely not. That's so fucking weird and so fucking gross. <laughs> it is nasty. Like, oh yeah, the idea of my husband pulling lingerie off of me with my, with my teeth, with his teeth, absolutely hot. At a wedding in front of a bunch of my family members, no. Especially because most weddings have children at them. This and I'm is... not saying that we need to shelter children from every single bit of mature content, but I would never want to be a child watching an older person perform something sexy at a wedding. No. No thank you. This isn't even that bad by terms of the traditions involved here, though, because you have to keep in mind, too, that this is... There are traditions like this one with marriage from around the same time where the people have to fuck. <laughs> their first fuck in front of the crowd to show that, like, yes, they're actually doing it. To be fair, that was or mostly a will... thing with royalty. Yeah. Where they, in order to confirm that the marriage has been consummated so that nobody can take it back, it's because in the nobility in like the 15th and 16th centuries, uh, the only way to get a marriage dissolved is, is, is if it hasn't been consummated yet, purely because the woman would be quote unquote damaged, you know, if she had had sex with someone. So the idea was in order to ensure that, you know, nobody could just back out of the marriage. Everybody would go and watch them fuck. And there were no blankets. It was just a mattress. To be fair, though, the garter tradition's also from the same time period. Yes. So it, that's, it was only for nobles, too, because nobles were really the only people that got married back then. Nobles and royalty. Yeah. Common folk didn't really get married in medieval times. Oh, no. And if they did, it was... Like, people... They did get quote-unquote married but it wasn't anything official it was just people like living together yeah it and they would have wedding they would have ceremonies and parties and stuff like that but it wasn't like most of the time it's not like your archbishop would come down and uh 
wed you. It would just kind of be like a fun thing. Most of the time, it was really used for alliances, Mm -hmm. royalty stuff. It was a business exchange. Yeah, and there was a lot of the traditions that come out of it are either stuff that was added um, in the like 19th and 20th century when it became more and more common for uh, middle class and lower class people to have weddings. Yeah. And so like they kind of changed it up. Like I mean, how white dresses weren't even originally part of it. And so like they added stuff like that. And then the other traditions are just shit that royal people did. Yes. Um, yeah, the wedding scene, the wedding, the whole wedding chapter was like boring as fuck. Yeah, I was expecting it, it to be more fun and fluffy and cute, and no. Um, There's a lot of talk about the decorations and smells. Oh, yeah, for sure. Just like always, Stephanie Meyer loves to set a scene. But writing that scene, mm, not so much. <laughs> the scene is set. Um, you painted it. You, it's very scenic. <laughs> And that's the end of chapter three. That's the end of this first part of the book. It feels like nothing happened. um, But I mean, they actually did get married. So like something happened, which is more than we can say for most other books in their first three chapters. The problem I think is that there's not a whole lot that matters when it's an uneventful wedding at the beginning of a book when you knew the wedding was coming. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's just like, okay, yeah, this is happening. There's nothing of interest here. Like, if the Volturi interrupted the wedding or something like that, it would be real good. But, like, it's just a wedding scene. Yeah. You normally have those at the end. Yeah, it's, um, and I do respect Stephanie Meyer for subverting the usual romance trope where it's like, oh, and the wedding is at the end. Um, however, everything that comes after the wedding is such fucking nonsense that I'm like, you didn't do it. Because I do love, I am definitely, in my writing, I typically don't like to, I don't like slow burn. It just doesn't do it for me. I mean, sometimes it does, but most of the time it really doesn't because I, I just like people to just love each other and I like to see people grow in relationships versus people who like spend an entire book pining over someone and then only get to kiss them on the last page. Um, And so I do respect the fact that she was like, we're going to have them get married now. And then we'll, you know, hash out what happens after they get married, you know, throughout the rest of the book. However, the way that she does it. So it's not as, as it's the same problem that we always have with Stephanie Meyer. It's not that the base concept behind it is bad. It's that she can't execute for shit. Yeah, her execution <laughs> just leaves so much to be desired. Uh, so yeah, that was the uh, that was the first three chapters. Next week we have the rest of book one of book four. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, and, you know, I'm glad that we finished at this point uh, because I have to pee. 
So um, follow us on Twitter at 2020 Twilight Pod. M is at M of many names. I am at Sarah S. Wilton. Uh, shoot us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash 2020 Twilight Pod. Um, please don't actually shoot us. Please don't shoot us, actually. Not with a gun. Um, give us $2 for coffee. Two, it's $2? not for coffee. I, I think it's your standard coffee donation is $2. Uh, oh, standard on coffee is $2. Yes. Okay. Like, That's why it's called coffee. It's like, oh, $2, so you can go get yourself people, coffee. Most people go to Starbucks, though, and Starbucks coffee is... <laughs> Not $2. <laughs> You're right. Okay, okay, anyways. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> uh, um, we'll be back done. next week with uh, with chapters 4 through 7. Um, no, we won't. This is the end. No, we won't. This is the last one. <laughs> They're married. We're done. Chapters four through seven of Breaking Dawn. Uh, see you then. Goodbye. <laughs>